going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. A few parents have been given letters from their kids from their schools talking about the Momo Challenge. One in particular that we've been able to get is... Dear parents and guardians, we wanted to make you aware of a social media viral challenge targeting kids. It's called the Momo Challenge, and it centers around a disturbing character uh, suggesting dangerous tasks for the kids to perform, including potentially hurting themselves or hiding for an extended period. As I started to dive into the research on this, you start to realize, okay, they're talking a hoax. But when you got schools who are sending these letters out, I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there that are... Struggling with what to believe here. Nancy Smith is an author of Social Citizens, a positive approach to social media and parenting in a digital world. She's also at Mount Royal University in the social media and digital marketing. She joins us now. Uh, Nancy, thanks so much for the time today. No problem. This is one that I get confused by a little bit because as I do my research, I look and I go, okay, I see these stories about it being hoax, but then I also see parents being warned about it. And there seems to be a lot of, I don't know if it's misinformation or if it's just a matter of people are still trying to figure it all out. What is going on here? I think you nailed it. I think that one of our challenges in this new world of parenting is how kids use and want to use technology versus how some parents understand it or use it themselves. There's a massive gap. And with this massive gap comes uncertainty and some fear and, like, quite honestly, parental anxiety. So when we hear a news story, and this Momo Challenge is actually not new. Mm -hmm. It's, It's resurfaced. It's just one in a long line of things that get pointed to this is an Internet problem. So whether it was the Tide Pod Challenge, the Blue Whale Challenge, they're all kind of in that same Internet. I call them hoaxes because... For the life of me, I've done my research. It sounds like you're trying to do the same. I can't find an ounce of truth um, that, the you know, this has actually happened. But God forbid, if something had, you know, we wouldn't want to just say this is false and it's, you know, nobody's been hurt. Mm-hmm. That's where the, it's preying upon our fear, our worries and our concerns. Well, and that's exactly the thought that first came to mind when I heard about this is it's almost similar to Snapchat in terms of, hey, your message is there and then it's gone, right? It's no different here is, you know, you and I can sit there and try to find it and we'll never find it. But suddenly a kid manages to find it. And to your point is it may very well be out there. We just haven't been able to to uncover it yet. Yeah. And the, the with this particular one, you know, there happens to be this kind of scary image that goes along with it. And so... People aren't really looking into um, what it is. So some people have misinformation, uh, like that scary image is just uh, the physical representation, like almost mm-hmm. like the brand of this challenge. The challenge that they're saying it is, is actually much more sinister and scary. It's a, you know, it's prompting kids on a suicide challenge. Um, now, I have tried to replicate it or try to find it, and I have not been able to. And yet... I've had debates with some parents on some Facebook groups saying, oh, no, my kids encountered the encountered it on a YouTube video. Well, that actually wouldn't be true because if just seeing the image isn't mm-hmm. the challenge. So some, some sick individual might have spliced the image into a YouTube video. Uh, YouTube has even come out and saying, like, you know, we're addressing this and we're trying to get to the bottom. But you can imagine with the amount of content that they have, mm-hmm. things flip through. 
So I think the important lesson for parents is don't freak out. Be involved, know, talk to your kids, but you don't need to scare them about like the boogeyman in the closet or the razors and the Halloween candy. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and, and you segued extremely well into my next question, which is, weirdly, this is almost a good thing because what I think comes out of it is that it gives you a reason to sit down with your kids or your grandkids and have that discussion about internet safety and and not only that, but how you process the information that you take in from being on certain websites or watching videos or whatever the case may be. And that this should be an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. That that might be one of the biggest lessons here is, you know, we don't just uh, talk to our kids when we give them the device and then wish them luck. It's like when we're teaching them to drive, we don't just hand them over the keys and say, wish you the very best. It's an ongoing process. We talk to them about, um, you know, there are some things that we can do about uh, setting some parental filters. And if you don't know how, there's some great resources online. Just Google it or YouTube it if you're unfamiliar with this. So you can help reduce the risk of inappropriate content. But then I do talk and try to coach parents to have regular check-ins with their kids and don't assume the worst that your kids are, you know, on bad sites or looking at things that they shouldn't. Talk to them about what they do like to do online and, you know, what who they love following on YouTube or, or something funny that they saw. You might be surprised. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, I think this ongoing dialogue idea and also knowing that if a mistake is made, if content is seen, that they can go to their parent or if you're not the right person, give them one trusted adult that they know they can go to without being judged to give them some advice of like how to handle what they saw. Weirdly, it's almost similar to, and from my standpoint, was growing up and that thought process of, hey, we know you're going to go out, you're going to have a good time, you might have a couple of drinks, just call us. Let us know and we'll come pick you up. No questions asked. It's almost that same kind of idea here Hmm. where, you know, if you let's reward the good behavior versus warning against the possibility of bad behavior down the road. Uh, That's a great comparison. I agree. This is a new frontier. Um, We are trying to raise like I, I one of the questions I get asked a lot is like, what's the right age to give my kid a device? Or there's what there's this idea of like shame-based parenting like you don't want to admit that you gave your kid a phone when they were 12 Mm -hmm. you know there's this notion of like the the longer you wait the better but i don't know what would magically happen when a kid is 15 uh, that they now know how to use the device properly so this is a an important dialogue um i i come up from a place of like different kids have different maturity levels different um parenting uh so when parents ask questions about you know whether it's their eight-year-old playing Minecraft or their 14-year-old using Instagram, guess what? These are legit questions that they they need some help and guidance with. And that's what I'm trying to help parents with is just navigate the space. Mm -hmm. It's very important to be uh, informed at the end of the day, right? Like you don't want to go in blindly and just assume that it's all bad because as you mentioned, it might be, they might be on the internet doing perfectly logical things and having a lot of fun there. And and just because there's one, uh, one or two bad apples, it doesn't ruin the bunch. No, the creativity that kids are doing today uh, and the connectedness. So another thing that we assume is like, like, oh, my God, kids are stuck on their devices. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to socialize. Well, they're doing it differently. And Mm. differently doesn't mean bad. It just means just that. It's different. 
Mm-hmm. And this has been a, a bit of a different kind of conversation when it comes to the Momo Challenge, for sure. But I think, like I said, it opens up a lot of really good doors in terms of that communication piece and, and everybody getting informed. So, uh, Nancy, I do appreciate the time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you. Nancy Smith is an author of Social Citizens, a positive approach to social media and parenting in a digital world. She's also a social media speaker. And if you need more tips on how to approach your kids' online time, go to cybertip.ca. I found there's a lot of resources there for those who are looking to figure it out and navigate the space. Because again, you don't want to jump to any conclusions and say uh, it's all bad. But at the same time, you do need to take those precautions. And by all means, have that conversation. It's an important conversation to have. It's Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. No shortage of opinions to this story coming out of the news today. Alberta Education Minister David Egan says he has now signed the order to ban student seclusion rooms in schools as of this fall. But he does say the rooms could still be allowed if schools and parents make a joint application to his office. And Egan says there needs to be some flexibility. We're looking for ways by which to deal with students with uh, severe special needs. And it's important to ensure that you're building an individual uh, plan that um, agrees with all parties. Now, many parents of children with developmental disabilities say the rooms are harmful to their kids and need to be banned. The issue made headlines last fall when an Alberta couple filed a lawsuit claiming the 12-year-old autistic son or their 12-year-old autistic son was locked naked in a seclusion room. Joining us now for more uh, reaction to the story is the president of the Alberta Teachers, uh, Teachers Association, Greg Jeffrey, joining us now. Greg, thanks so much for the time today. My pleasure, Joe. Your reaction, first and foremost, to the minister's uh, announcement today? Well, first of all, I'd like to start out with saying that uh, the main concern of the teachers in Alberta is the safety of all students and the safety of our staff. Uh, It's a top-of-mind issue when we're talking about uh, things that affect the classroom, uh, and this is one of them. Uh, Seclusion rooms, I think, are a, a symptom of a system. Uh, that's not providing enough to ensure safety for staff and students. So that's where where teachers' concerns lie. There's not enough funding or particular allocations of resources to meet the needs of our students and teachers in this regard. Do is it a matter of needing more aids to be closer to the students that need them the most? Or you mentioned resources, so I'm curious as to what is exactly needed. Well, we we've talked before about supports for inclusion, mm-hmm. and and some of those could be teaching assistants, uh, you know, people with specialized training uh, to deal with students who uh, who require that that training. Uh, uh, many of our teachers have the training, but they're not able to to put that into use because they're in a a very large class size setting, and the the safety of all the students is a primary concern for that teacher. What is the expectation, or does it depend on board, or depend on school even, in terms of how you deal with those kids who uh, are not acclimatizing to the inclusive classroom setting? Well, certainly... uh, School boards are mandated to follow the School Act, and the School Act says that 
they are to provide welcoming, caring, safe, and respectful working and learning environments. And we also have an, a recently updated OH&S Act where boards have to ensure the health and safety of workers and focus on that physical safety. So there is some responsibility here on the employers uh, to ensure that this is in place. In terms of the the uh, safety of the students, so obviously the the paramount concern is for uh, the student, and I'll use the example of a violent child who uh, decides to lash out at fellow students. Is is there a protocol in place in terms of what is supposed to happen from there? Are you supposed to uh, get the kid out of the classroom, or are you supposed to get the kids out of the classroom to let the kid vent, or how does that all work? Well, b- both of those are possibilities, but but if you think, well, let's evacuate the, the other children in the room and we're going to leave this child in an agitated state within the classroom. Well, within a classroom, there are, there are many, uh, you know, pieces of furniture and, and other things that a child could use to uh, injure him or herself. So uh, it's not an ideal situation. Uh, much better to have a trained adult be able to deal with that st- that student and help them to de-escalate. Is there an expectation in your eyes that the province is passing the buck then to the teachers to get trained up for these potential outbursts or these uh, situations that they can no longer go to with a seclusion room, for example? I would suggest that a, that a lot of teachers teaching in in these uh, particular settings already have that training, and if there is uh, an educational assistant in that classroom, there's likely some training has taken place there. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with, again, with large class sizes, we have to ensure the safety of all students and all employees. Uh, so uh, we're walking a bit of a tightrope on this one, Joe. When it comes to, you mentioned the bigger classrooms, as it makes for those situations where you have more than one or two, even potentially, uh, students who could be needing those kinds of supports. And so are the, what's, what are teachers to take away from today's announcement when it comes to those kinds of situations where they have uh, multiple issues to deal with because of the inclusive nature of education now? Well, teachers would be asking the question, um, what's going to take the place here? Uh, Seclusion rooms are not an ideal situation. We know that. However, they are, again, a symptom of lack of funding. Uh, they're a solution that might might be well down the list. So, so teachers would be asking, what are you going to do to ensure that the classroom is a safe space for the student that might have the tendency to act out for the rest of the students in the classroom and for the teachers and other employees that are in that classroom? President of the Alberta Teachers Association, Greg Jeffrey, giving us a little bit of reaction here to uh, the province's decision to ban seclusion rooms in Alberta schools starting in the fall. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for the time today. It's always my pleasure, Joe. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. I'm super excited about this upcoming audio snippet that I'm going to play. Akeem Haynes known sprinter from Calgary, helped Canada win bronze in the 4x100-meter relay back in the 2016 Rio Games. Had a chance to chat with him during the Calgary Hitman Be Brave game on Wednesday during the first intermission. And the dude's just an awesome ball of energy. And he was talking about being inspirational and, and those the, the aspect of uh, legacy and all those things. And 
I knew I had to have him on the show. And so go to uh, my Twitter at Calgary today. I just posted the full, the link to the full interview because I can only play five minutes. This is, there's 15 minutes worth of tape with him. I asked him this question, which segues into the chunk that I'm going to play is about letting your past define you and whether or not you need to be a little bit more, you have to have some gratitude towards where you've been. Here's just a small section of what Akeem had to say. Man, I think you said it beautifully, man. Gratitude. I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I've been in. I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of where I come from. I'm not ashamed of anything that has involved my life. But also, I know that I want better for my life. But not just for me. I want my siblings, I want them to have a better. I want them to be exposed to more things. I want my kids, when I get them, to be exposed to more things. I want my generations. I just want generational exposure of you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, your past doesn't define where you're going to go. It shapes you a little bit, but ultimately your choices decide with your actions of what you accomplish in your life and what you choose to do. One of the cool things, and when we were talking at, at the Dome on Wednesday, is I brought up a word that made you, your, your eyes lit up. <laughs> I, yeah, I it was amazing. It. <laughs> and what does legacy mean to you? Man, honestly, man, it means, it means, it means everything. You know, I think you get to a point where you realize, man, a lot of the things that I'm doing right now is much bigger than myself. And some people realize it later in their lives. Um, but I've been very fortunate, I think, because of my experiences to realize that very early. So everything that I do, I'm just thinking about just like, man, in about 10 years, whew, what mm. is it going to look like in 10 years? Yeah, of course, you know, you're going to have these rifts in these downward times, maybe in the second or third year, or even in the first year. Like, you're going to have all these moments where it's not going to go as planned. But I said, man, if I can finish and I can stick to the course, I always said, man, I want my presence and my name to be up there with an individual like Martin Luther King, with an individual like Gandhi, Mother Teresa, because their presence is still felt and they haven't been alive for decades. That's a legacy. That's what I want. I want people to say when my name is mentioned that people are just like, wow, like, you know, Akeem makes me smile. Like he put me in a better um, spirit. You know, I just want my name when it's mentioned to be something with nothing but positivity and love and just know that, man, you know, Akeem changed my life. And that's, that's ultimately what I'm about, man. And, and, and I can only do that the way that I know how. I don't fake anything. I don't try to be something I'm not. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I play to my strengths. And I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. I'm just trying to be me. And whoever is for me is going to be for me. But I believe that um, I just, legacy is just, is just, it just gets me excited. You can tell every time that I think about it, man. I just want the presence to be like, man, because I met Akeem, my life was somehow impacted. For those who are listening who are going, man, I'm having a tough day or I've had a tough week or a tough month and I'm hearing what Akeem's saying, but I need that one piece of advice, that one piece of motivation that'll get me rolling. What would that one piece of advice or that one key piece of motivation be that you'd give to them? All right, man, I'm going to share I'm going to share this story and then I'll go into it. When I was 13, I came, I was coming home from school and when I walked into the door, I noticed there was bags on the ground and in those bags were my clothes and my mother's clothes. So at 13, 
my mom and I were holding our bags at the bus stop. We didn't have a place to go. We didn't have a home to go to. We became homeless. And I remember thinking at that time, just like, wow, we came to Canada for a better life. And here we are. We got no place to go. We're at the bus stop. It's the middle of wintertime. Like, what is the good? Like, what's the purpose of this? One thing that changed my life, man, is gratitude. Gratitude. If you can find one thing to be thankful and grateful for for today, just one, just one thing. And then once you find that one thing, think about that one thing. And then tomorrow, add that one thing. And then tomorrow, be grateful for something else. Because you first have to be grateful for everything that you have in your life in order for new things to come into your life. We have so much things that we have that often get overlooked because our circumstances aren't going so well and we see other people having certain things that we want that we may not have. It doesn't mean you're not going to get it just yet. It just means it hasn't been unfolded. It's, it, it can happen. It's going to happen. So for me, I was just like, man, I'm thankful for all that I have. I'm thankful for what I have in my life, but I know what can be. And because I know what can be, I focus on what can be and not what is. Once again, if you're a podcast listener, make sure to download, subscribe on Calgary Today, uh, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And the full interview with Akeem Haynes is now live. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Just want to take a moment to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.